Check my statistics If we talking about go, You gotta give me a mention This is rational hour If we being realistic This is rational They said I couldn't do it But I did it work Ethic like mom But you know that boy is a problem Tell me when to get him Then I got him This is rational hour I'm just keeping it a honey This is rational hour Everything you doing I done done it Welcome to the roster, I'm with Ryan. I have a very special show today. We're talking a little baseball. I got my man, Ted Keith. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, Ryan, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for coming on the roster hour, uh, talking a little baseball. And Ted Keith is one of the best in the business, been around for many years. You could have caught him in Sports Illustrated, uh, uh, SI, Kids. ESPN, currently working with Sports Business Journal. Um, welcome to the show again. We're going to talk uh, MLB. This is the last weekend, Keith, of the season. Uh, it's really a real dynamic year. Uh, what are your impressions, just first of all, on the, the 21 season as it comes to a close? Uh, well, first of all, it's amazing that they had a full season, right? I mean, back when the year started, there were questions about, are we going to have a full 162-game season? Uh, you know, we're going to go back and have everybody play in their own ballpark with fans, you know, starting a little bit at the beginning and then opening up as the year goes on. There really haven't been the COVID disruptions uh, that we might have anticipated. So while that was a big story in the 2020 season, just the oh. fact that they played at all was pretty cool. And then uh, – you know, we've been able to not think about that stuff. We've been able to just concentrate on the stories on the field. We, you know, the right. biggest story for me uh, in a lot of ways has been the emergence of Shohei Otani doing something that we haven't seen since what Babe Ruth did. And as we get to the playoffs, he won't be a part of that. We've got the Giants and the Dodgers, the two ancient rivals who are both going to get in the playoffs, having won well over 100 games in the same season. And one of them is going to have to play a one-game uh, playoff in the wild card just to make it to the division series so <laughs> it's really been a terrific season for baseball uh new stars emerging stars vladimir guerrero in addition fernando tatis who looked like he was going to win nl mvp for most of the year the field of dreams game was an enormous hit um so i think baseball's in a pretty good place right now yeah it's funny you mentioned that ted because i just think that's not right you know you got two teams in the nl west that are just amazing and both of them are basically going to clinch um, the 100 win mark, and they, they're going to play a one-game play-in. I just don't think that's fair. What do you think about that? Uh, you know, it's the it's the way the world is set up right now. And if you're a Giants fan, you know, you're thinking probably, well, at least there is a wild card right now. Because in 1993, the last year before the wild card, uh, would people think of kind of the last real pennant race, the Giants won 103 games, finished second to the Braves, who were then in the NL West, who won 104 games. And Giants didn't go anywhere. They went home. So wow. that was one of the reasons we had the wild. I mean, the wild card was probably coming anyway, but that was certainly a motivating factor to, you know, tell teams, hey, look, like we're going to give you a safety net here. In this case, you know, what's interesting about it is it could drive discussion. The CBA is ending. This uh, expires December 1st. You know, one of the things that might be talked about, Rob Manfred has talked about wanting to expand the postseason. One of the scenarios that 
people have always kicked around. I don't know. Baseball's not shown a lot of interest to do it. They've really continued to emphasize division championships. But what they could do is start seeding teams based on record rather than what division you're in. So in this scenario, instead of having the Dodgers, who look like they'll probably come in second, instead of having them have to be effectively the fourth seed and play the fifth seed just to get into the playoffs mm-hmm. and then play the one seed in the second round, of the, well, the first full round of the division series, you would have them on the opposite side of the bracket from the Giants, and they would be sent mm-hmm. straight into a best of five rather than a one-game scenario. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, everybody would expect certainly that the Dodgers – if that is indeed who winds up in the NL wildcard game, will win against the Cardinals playing at home. But we've seen many Dodgers teams in recent years fall flat in October. The Cardinals just had one of the great winning streaks in the history of the National League, winning 17 in a row in a streak that just ended this week. So uh, there's a real danger that for as good as the Dodgers have been all year, that their season is going to come to an end after only one game. That is possible. Yeah, that's crazy when you think about it because – I think there should be some rule. I, I, what you just mentioned, I hope that happens. That that would actually make a lot more sense than what the current dynamic is in MLB. And I yeah. think that the the San Francisco Giants are kind of just – I don't know what it is. They, even though they have the best record and they actually broke the San Francisco Giants record for most wins in a right. season at 104, um, they, they're kind of under the radar. I don't think they get the respect. Why do you think that is? Well, part of it is because everybody all year long has been scratching their heads trying to figure out why is this team so good? Nobody can really put their finger on it. And it's not – I bet if you ask the Giants, they would say much the same thing. I mean, not like they weren't a good team. Um, You know, they've won three World Series since the 2010 started, but they were – a losing had losing records in 2017, 2018, 2019 even in 2020, which is only a 60-game season, and you look at their roster right now and where their success is largely coming from, you know, there's some familiar names having a nice year. Buster Posey's having a terrific season. Yeah. Uh, I think he'll get some MVP consideration. Brandon Belt is having a terrific season, although he just broke his hand. Brandon Crawford is having a terrific season. Those are three of the guys who are most responsible for the championships that they've already won. So it's not like they, you know, they certainly have Mike Yastrzemski, Carl Yastrzemski's grandson, has been a nice addition. Chris Bryant has been a very nice addition for a midline a midseason trade, but it's been that sort of old guard that I think has been their top performers for most of the year. It's not like they've had an influx of talent behind them, um, kind of like what the Dodgers have largely been able to do in the last couple of years, turning over their roster with better, younger players all the time. It's just been kind of these great seasons from guys who we've already known about for a long time, and that's made it, um, you know, kind of a nice mixture of nostalgia thrown into all the other reasons to be happy for those Giants fans. Yeah, they really are kind of just under the radar with the, uh, as far as the respect of the MLB when you talk about coverage. But I, I just think they have a bunch of really good baseball players and they got a good mix of young and old. And I, I think they're a team that's, you know, real sneaky good. You know, they, they don't have yeah. any major power, but they have a bunch of good hitters, good solid hitters. So I think right. that, and, you know, they have a good rotation as well. Yeah, it's not going to blow you away. This isn't the Matt Cain, Tim Linscombe sort of double-headed monster that we saw about 10 years ago, but it's just above average everywhere. And that's been enough to hold off the Dodgers to this point. And the Giants have been in first place all year long, and people kept waiting, well, when is their sort of regression going to come? And it hasn't right. come. Right. You know, Kevin Gossman's been great. Logan Webb has been one of the best pitchers in baseball in the second half of the season. 
Um, they've got the second best ERA in the National League. It's they're really solid everywhere, and that is catching people by surprise because despite the fact that Buster Posey is an MVP winner a long time ago and a potential future Hall of Famer, Chris Bryant uh, is still a big name. It's not like they're overflowing with all-star talent. They're just having a lot of guys having really good, solid years right now, and that you know could be a big part of their success. They don't, um, they don't overwhelm you in any one particular aspect, but they just seem to win every night and that's really all that matters yeah i I really think they just have a good mix of young and old um uh they just somehow some way just always get it together i like the young kid they got a i think his name is lamont wade jr i think he's been a a, a pleasant surprise for them yeah absolutely they've got guys like that up and down the lineup but those aren't necessarily guys that they've had to rely on for 162 games. When you get into the postseason, though, they get into a best of five scenario. They're going to be playing, you know, the winner of the Cardinals Brewers series, uh, or excuse me, not the Cardinals, because <laughs> uh, oh. the Cardinals will wind up in the wild card game, but they're going to play the, you know, the winner of the Brewers Brave series. Um, oh. It'll be interesting to see how they respond. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. The whole playoffs in, as a whole, um, the mm-hmm. Dodgers one game playoff St. Uh, St. Louis. Um, Max Sergers were playing unbelievable. What do you yeah. what do you think about Max and just this this rejuvenation of sorts of him coming to LA and being so yeah. uh, dominant the way he's he's been on the bump? You well, know, that's kind of you know that's just who Max Scherzer is, right? I mean, this is a guy right. who's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's going to finish his career with at least two hundred wins. I don't think anybody gets to three hundred anymore. He just went over three thousand strikeouts this year. He's won three Cy Young Awards. He's been in the top five of the Cy Young voting, wow. I think, every year except for last year, going back to 2012. So the, fa- the fact that he's having a good year isn't a surprise. The fact that he's having a year this good yeah. with the Dodgers might be a little bit of a surprise because he he was having a fine season in Washington, but he's he's vintage Max Scherzer right now, right? Ever since he came to the Dodgers, he's been almost unhittable. He's got – uh, all of his pitches working. He's striking out better than a batter per inning. He's got an ERA under two. He's giving them length when he goes into the game, and he lengthens the entire rotation now, right? Because you're giving Scherzer, and then you put somebody like Walker Bueller behind him, uh, yeah. and Walker Bueller is an ace on every other team. Still, might in some ways be the best pitcher on the Dodgers. Then you put, I mean, imagine Walker Bueller, right? Mm-hmm. He's got a 15 and four record, a ERA under two and a half. Julio Urias has 19 wins and an ERA of three. Clayton Kershaw, who's going to the Hall of Fame, has an ERA a little bit over three. Those are your th- those are number one starters on almost every other team Any in the playoffs. Team. The Dodgers have four of them, <laughs> right? Think about so that, yeah. Right, so now they're not going to need all four of them to get out of the wild card game. That's why it's so fascinating. If they don't survive the wild card game, you know, of all the recent Dodger letdowns, and of course they didn't have one last year when they won the World Series, but of all the other ones, that one would sting. This one I think would sting almost the most because they have been, you know, you could certainly make a case that as good as the Dodgers have been now for the last several years, it would be amazing if their stretch of, uh, you know, winning National League West Division titles, which they'd won eight in a row, comes to an end in a year in which they win 103 games. Yeah, you know, you'll be able to make the case that this is the best Dodgers team that they've had in this entire run, and it might be the one that has the shortest stay in the playoffs. Yeah, it's that's I really hate to think that, but it is very possible. I mean, yeah, but you know, I think that it will be the other side more than anything. I think the Dodgers are just so good. 
they have a tendency sometimes where their bat can their bats can go asleep, but I think mm-hmm. that now they seem to be just really going in the right direction. Is this series that they just swept San right. Diego? It really showed right. their 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 bravado. They they got their moxie back. It seems, and you know they got Kershaw back. Um, right. One one thing that just blows my mind is San Diego. Speaking of which, they just imploded. This team is. I just realized they're five hundred. They're one of the expected to be one of the best teams to compete with the Dodgers in the West. Yeah. Um, there was a recent situation where uh, Tatis and Machado got into a shouting match in the dugout, mm-hmm. and it really just kind of put a sore eye to their whole ball club. I mean, what's they put so much money into this team. What do you mm-hmm. think of this? How do they re, you know, get over this whole situation with the team and as far as they're going forward to next year? Well, you know, Tatis and Machado are the foundational parts of this whole team, right? So they're not going anywhere, especially Tatis. I mean, but first of all, both these guys have contracts of $300 million or more, so they're not going anywhere, and, and you don't want them to go anywhere. They're both right. spectacular players. They're both under 30 years old. Tatis is 22, 23, so he's – you know, it's you just think of Machado as being that young too, but he's approaching thirty. Um, but these guys are foundational pieces, so that's who you're going to build around. And, the, and almost every team in baseball would be jealous and wish they had them. It hasn't really been the offense that's the problem; it's been the pitching and the pitching being hurt and just not really being available. If you look at who they expected their best pitchers to be this year, Chris Paddock wildly underperformed, and he's on the injured list. Blake Snell underperformed and he's on the injured list. You Darvish underperformed and he's on the injured list. So yeah. Drew Pomeran, same thing, underperformed and he's on the injured list. It's like they they put the right people in place. It just didn't work this year. It, it just and it's disappointing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it's a disappointment for them because they're going to look up at the end of the season with a, a losing record, almost certainly. I mean, at best they finish 500 if they sweep the final weekend. And that is not what anybody expected for the Padres. They were a dark horse World Series team. Yeah, you know, AJ Preller is too smart to think that this is something to be blown up and start all over, or anything like that. He pushed all of his chips to the middle of the table in the last couple of years, going out and get. I mean, think of a guy like Eric Hosmer that they went and got mm-hmm. as a signal of their rebuild a few years ago. Hosmer is it was sort of an average major league player this season. He's not even the guy they're counting on. Then they went and got Machado. That wasn't good enough. They gave Fernando Tatis, who was already under team control, this monster contract, the biggest ever for a person that young. They are, they are not going to give up on the quest just because this season turned out to be a disappointment. And I guarantee you that next year we get to April and people are putting together their predictions for the 2022 season. The Padres are going to be a very popular pick again mm-hmm. to win the NL West get to the world series because I think people just assume that this was a off year that went, you know, mm-hmm. off the rails a little bit, but not a sign necessarily that the franchise is actually headed in the wrong direction. Yeah. I think it is kind of basically what you just mentioned with the injuries to their pitchers. Um, I thought, you know, when they got Adam Frazier via trade uh, from Pittsburgh, that that was kind of a big bat for them to get. And, um, right. you know, overall, just a solid player to go with them because they needed that type to go with Will Meyer, um, to go with Cronenworth. You know, the whole lineup, I thought, was pretty scary. It's just a batter they're pitching, staying healthy and producing uh, Musgrove. And I thought, that you know, they have the best closer in the game. And um, right. it's just a matter of the pitchers being consistently good. Uh, you, uh, Darvish, have been kind of rocky all year. And uh, like mm-hmm. you said, Chris Chris Paddock had a, a major injury. He came back. He, 
never was ever really the same. I think the young kid they were counting on, Mackenzie Gore, um, they called him up. He didn't look good. It went back down. He got right rocked in the minors. So right. <clears throat> I just think well, overall, you think about when they made that trade, right, for Adam uh-huh. Frazier, they were uh-huh. in playoff position. They were in mm-hmm. the wild card spot had the season ended on that day. So the expectation that they had, and I think that everybody had, was that they were going to be in this race all the way to the end. And what happened was some things, you know, out of their control, injuries mm-hmm. and whatnot. But also the Dodgers took one wild card completely out of play. Mm-hmm. And they partly did that by beating the Padres. So, you know, credit where it's due. But the, the National League was not a two wild card race. It was a one wild card race for most of the season. I, I don't know this definitively, but I would bet strongly that this will be the biggest gap between a wild card winner and either the second wild card winner or the you know next team under the wild card winner from the days before there were two wild cards the gap that the Dodgers have created over the Cardinals. And the only reason the Cardinals are even within shouting distance of the Dodgers is because they won 17 games in a row. So you had a team, a historically great team, potentially in the Dodgers, a historic winning streak in the Cardinals. There was nowhere for not just the Padres, but anybody else to go to, to win a playoff spot. So in a sense, you know, they were looking at having to have a season that in a September, certainly that, no team was going to have. They, no one was going to catch the Dodgers. And in order to keep pace with the Cardinals, you'd have had to win every single game, which isn't realistic. So, you know, I don't think that they need to lick their wounds to the point of saying, this is all on us. What did what happened? How did we do this wrong? You know, be smart about their moves in the winter, which you know they will be because A.J. Preller knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, be strategic about it, which you know he'll be smart about. But assume that coming into spring training, you're still one of the best teams in the National League and you have every right to expect things to go better next year than they did this year. Uh, let's go up to five, man, from San Diego to Anaheim, man. Shohei Otani, you mentioned it before, man. This this is just a unicorn in my eyes. I've said it numerous times on the show. Um, just an unbelievable year in itself. Everyone knew he was talented. It's just a matter of him staying healthy for a whole year, which he has done. 45 home mm-hmm. runs, 25 stolen bases, over 100 runs, 99 RBIs. Um, he's pitched very well, um, not as dominant on the bump, but very respectable pitcher. Um, what do you make of Shohei and the season that he's had? And it's pretty much a lock for MVP, even though Vlad Guerrero is, is maybe right. kind of a surge. Yeah, I mean, he's a lock for MVP. I don't, I, with all due respect to Vlad Guerrero Jr., who's an awesome talent, a special player, exciting to watch. Shohei Otani is Babe Ruth. I mean, that's who he is. That's the, yeah. This is the first player since Babe Ruth to do what he's done. And he's hitting 45 home runs. It's almost not even Babe Ruth, you know, 1919 when Ruth was the best player in baseball because he set a record, all-time record at the time with 29 home runs and won 13 games and had an ERA under three. Like, Shohei Otani has 45 home runs. It's crazy. And 26 stolen bases. And, the 25th, and he's okay. got... Yeah, well, now he's up to 26. And he's got an ERA over barely over three and 156 strikeouts. I mean, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen in baseball. There's never been a player in my lifetime or your lifetime who's even approached anything like what Shohei Otani is doing. The very idea that somebody else could win the MVP in a season like this is absolutely bonkers and crazy. Yeah, He should win both. I think I said this on Twitter at some point during this year. He should win the National League MVP, too, just because he's so ridiculously better than every other player in baseball right now. They should abolish <laughs> the dual league MVP wow. and just give it to Otani. 
Yeah, he's so, yeah. so much better than everyone. Yeah. That's crazy. That's that's funny. Yeah, that that would be pretty cool and respectable to him if yeah. they just did something like that. That just really would pay homage to tell, the year Tell he Bryce had. Harper. Yeah, tell Bryce Harper. Tell Fernando Tatis Jr. Sorry, guys. I think you'll understand. We had, we're going to give him the AL MVP for his batting, and we're going to give him the NL MVP for his hitting, and uh, or for his pitching, rather, and you know, better luck next year. Because that's the thing about Otani, too. We don't really know whether he's going to ever do this again. This is the first year that he's ever been capable of pitching as much as he has. There's no, you know, guys who are pitchers get hurt all the time. He's already had a slight tear in his elbow, and they kind of had him work through it. This is before he was a pitcher this year. He could get hurt playing both every day as a fielder or, and as a hitter, which happens. He can get hurt as a pitcher, which happens all the time. We may never see this again from him. And if we don't, I, I'd like to think that he would, that he has established a precedent for players in high school, college, maybe even the minor leagues to say, hey, you can try to do what Shohei Otani is doing. You, may, you probably won't be as good as he is, but you can try it. Because for 100 years, literally, baseball steered people in one direction or the other. You can either be a pitcher or a hitter, but you can't be both. Yeah. He's showing that it's possible that you can be do both. And credit, by the way, to Joe Madden and the Angels organization for letting him do both and seeing what would happen if he could do both because it worked and it's awesome. Yeah. It's great for baseball. It's great for fans in California and across the country and in Otani's case across the world. So maybe we will see players try this again. But to expect that it will be a player who's capable of being the best hitter in the league and the best pitcher in the league at the same time is absolutely bonkers to me. Now, you said the organization at Anaheim, you know, give them credit. Madden's done a, a great job, you know, with the team. But they really have underachieved, basically, you know, with how, – how good of this team – how good would this team have been if Trout would have stayed healthy, if Anthony Rendon would have stayed healthy with the season of Walsh and, and the, you know, the young guys yeah. that they have, like Marsh and um, yeah. Joe, Joe Adele. Are they are they surging in the right direction? I know they got Mancini as the GM now. Are they a team you think that can get it right finally? You know, I would I would rather be in their position of all the non playoff teams, right? I think I'd rather start, if not the Padres, at least let's say of all the non playoff teams in the American League. You could do a lot worse than being the Angels. Say we're going to give you the two best players in the world, Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. Now go figure it out, right? Mm-hmm that's about as good a situation as you could possibly hope to be in. So that being said, you know, baseball is a funny game, right? You can only bat your best players when their turn comes up in the lineup. It's not like Trout and Otani alone are going to lead them to the playoffs. They need contributions from other guys. So if you're an Angels fan, as excited as you might be about Shohei Otani, as excited as you might be about getting Mike Trout back, you know, be just as excited about the year that Jared Walsh put up. Be just ex- as excited about what Max Stassi is capable of. You know, be just as excited about uh, about Anthony Rendon coming back and being healthy because those are the pieces that are going to push them back into the playoffs. If you assume, and it's a big assumption in the case of Otani, like we talked about, that he can do this all over again. But if you assume that, uh, then you're starting with two known commodities of excellence in Trout and Otani. Where are the other pieces going to come from? that make the difference for the angels. It has to be the other guys on the roster, right? And they've got pieces now. It's not, you know, an aging Albert Pujols who really didn't belong uh, in that roster anymore. It's, it's those younger players who are showing themselves to be capable of helping in the way that the angels need that help. And it's always going to come down to pitching because that's just what happens. 
Um, but as I said, I think you could just do a lot worse than starting with the two best players in the world and saying, now let's see if we can figure out a team around them that can win. You know, it's not going to happen this year, but typically to get in a wild card, you're looking at probably an average of about 90 wins, right? So the Angels have a lot of ground to make up. They're only a 75-win team right now. Where are they going to find 15 wins next year? Well, a lot of that will come with Mike Trout being healthy, right? He's typically right. an eight-win player. So you're halfway to your, your necessary adjustment. Uh, and then you got to find some pitching help. And that's always been the problem for the Angels. Yeah. If they would have gotten Bauer, they, they were really on his radar, even though he fell off with this whole legal situation. I think that was the big fish they needed to get, another ace. They were trying hard to get him. There's a lot of um, rumors he didn't get along with the pitching coach, uh, Mickey uh, Calloway, Calloway, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess he didn't want to uh, you know, get back and work with him again. I guess they didn't – Worked out too well in Cleveland, so right. That's a that's a thing with the Angels of free agency. You know, if they can get another, you know, I think bullpen pitching help, it'll be key for um, the GM to get somebody over there. I thought Epler was doing a good job, even though people say he um, was a bit handcuffed from Artie. So I think that didn't help yeah. him. But I think they gotta sign a, a big free agent pitching wise, bullpen right. or starter to help that team, I think, get to that next level. I, I think they will because yeah. it's such a, 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 you know, a free agent destination. L.A., Orange County, it, it's it's just where, you know, it's where it's at. What, what is the um, what is the level of expectation you think? I mean, you're based in California. I'm on the East Coast. It's always seemed to me that the Angels, last few years anyway, certainly let's call it the Trout era, mm-hmm. um, you know, the expectations have been so muted for so long and, and the rest of the country looks out there and wonders, are they are they aware of just what an opportunity they're wasting to have a player of his caliber and not build a successful, sustainable team around him? I mean, he's been in the postseason once in his entire career. and They got swept mm-hmm. by the Kansas City Royals. And, you know, it's almost like they're afraid to do a total rebuild, right? Because you'd further waste his prime years, but they're not able to move off this, you know, at best 80 win team. Like they're not making any sort of, like you said, a huge splash, no matter where it comes from. I, I guess they thought Anthony Rendon would be that huge splash, but uh, right. yeah, it's going to take more than one player next year for them to make up that ground. But I always say about the AL West, um, it always oh. seems like such a winnable division. I mean, if the Astros were to lose, for example, Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, you know, whatever, make the make the AL West a little bit more competitive because they have an iron grip on it right now. The Mariners are having a terrific season right now. I give them a lot of credit. I don't know that they're a sustainable success story. The A's mm. are always a wild card because they're a money ball team where their budget is not going to support big investments. The Angels, with their built-in opportunities, uh, their appeal, as you said, to potential free agents, there's no reason, no excuse really why they shouldn't be better than they are. And I think that's where the frustration comes from, from people around baseball fans who watch the sport. It's like, you don't have anything that should stop you from being a great franchise. You're stopping yourself. That's, that's the viewpoint I think people have of the angels and you're doing it at the expense of letting the rest of the world see, you know, Mike Trout play in the playoffs. And now in this case, Shohei Otani too. So it's, there's sort of an extra little bit of disappointment when people look at the angels, it's not like a lot of teams that struggle to build a winner. There's, there's like an edge to the criticism there. American league, Ted, Tampa Bay, man, they were in the world series last <laughs> year. They, they are the number one seed again, quietest camp. Mm-hmm. 
Um, what's what? How, how do how do they do it, man? Every year, Tampa just fills this team, even though they lose a lot of quality starters. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, that's you want to talk about an open-ended question in baseball? How on earth do the Tampa Bay Rays do this every year? And especially after they traded Blake Snell, they uh, lost Charlie Morton to the Braves. Everybody thought, yeah. okay, or at least most people, there were people who were smarter than I am who saw this and said, no, the, Bra- the, the Rays will be okay. This is what they do is they identify smartly players they should bring in and they identify smartly players whose time it is to go. Um, I'm sure they wish they had Charlie Morton. I don't think that they're worried about not Ooh. having Blake Snell this year. But, you know, they're not a team that relies on starting pitching right now, which is kind of interesting, especially with Tyler Glasnow out. So they're a bullpen-based pitching staff, which will serve them well in the postseason. Um, Their offense is young, contact-oriented. They have a few guys who strike out, but but not a ton. Um, You know, so Wander Franco is a huge pickup for them. He's been awesome. And uh, and Randy Rosarena, who was so good in the postseason last year, is still eligible for Rookie of the Year. Both those guys might win Rookie of the Year awards. And they just have these sort of like almost pesky guys who are just good enough to be a thorn in your side and play just enough yeah. uh, that it's a problem. Like a, a Joey Wendell, a G-Man Choi, a Mike Zanino. Um, but when you look at that lineup top to bottom, you're not scared of any one person in there. Maybe a Rosarena. We'll see when they get back in the postseason if he's – um, you know, as terrifying as he was last year. But, you know, if you were to measure them by like their OPS plus, right, and look at that lineup, they really don't have anybody who's not an above average hitter in their entire lineup, which helps explain why they're going to close in on 100 wins this year. There's no dead weight there. They may not be big names, but they're all productive. And they're the ones who did go out and make a splash at the deadline, right? They brought in Nelson Cruz, who's been yeah. fantastic for them, kind of outside their typical norm of youth and um, versatility. He's more like an old slugger, just sit back and sort of swing for the fences. And that's largely what he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a weapon in October where runs are scarce. You get them in bunches and home runs if you can. And that's what, that's what Nelson Cruz provides. So mm. um, that, I, I Nelson, that yeah. Nelson's a big signing. I, I mean, not a big signing, but a, a big get for them at the trade deadline. I thought he was a sneaky, good acquisition. New York, what do you think happens with that? So I've been, I've been wrong 12 times already with this wild card race, right? Because it keeps changing. It was just a week ago, remember, that the Red Sox had a two-game lead for the wild card and were welcoming the Yankees in for a three-game series in Boston, and they were on a seven-game winning streak. So you, you really expected, okay, well, this is going to be the Red Sox chance to put the Yankees away. They didn't do it. Now it was the Yankees who had a seven game winning streak and a two game lead in the wild card race. So at this point, you know, mathematically, certainly you expect the Yankees to get one of the two spots. Um, they are facing the Rays this weekend, which is the worst possible assignment they could have in the American league, a 98 win team. The blue Jays get to play the Orioles worst team in the American league and a team that they absolutely pulverized just a couple of weeks ago in such a way that it looked like one was a major league team and one was a high school team. So it wouldn't surprise me in the least if the Orioles were swept by the blue Jays and if the Rays swept the Yankees in New York. And if that happens, then the blue Jays tie at minimum the Yankees and the Red Sox and Mariners have a chance to 
take both of the top two wild card spots because they play teams that they should be. The Mariners play the Angels, who I think they're eleven and five against this year. And the Red Sox play the Nationals, who they haven't played this year, but against you know, the Nationals are a ninety-five loss team. So it's gonna come right down to that very last game, I think. The best case scenario for the Yankees certainly, of course, is to wrap it up, get home field advantage. But if they win on Friday night and take the first wild card spot out of the equation, let everybody else play for the final spot, um, that'll reduce the chaos factor. Because what everyone is sort of um, sneakily looking at or maybe hoping for is that there winds up being some three-way tie for a wild card spot or a four-way tie for both wild card spots or something crazy like that. If I had to pick right now, I'd say the Yankees win the first one. Second one, I'm going to say the Mariners win it, actually, not the Red Sox, because the Red Sox blew a big chance in Baltimore. I think they know that. I think they're going to be a little bit tight. And the Mariners are playing so well, and they get to play at home. Even though the Red Sox are playing a bad Nationals team, they're doing it on the road. The Mariners are playing at home this weekend against a team in the Angels that they just beat, beat down in Anaheim, as you well know. Um, so if it comes down for one spot for those two teams, I'm taking the Mariners. This lastly, let's just go over your picks for the Cy Young. National League, okay. we got some solid pitchers. Um, you know, Max Serger, I think, is deservingly so. Uh, Wheeler's had a great year in Philly. Um, mm-hmm. Burns um, in Milwaukee. Um, Gosman and Frisco. What are, who do you think wins the Cy Young and who are your favorites? Uh, I think it would be fascinating if Max Scherzer won. Yeah. Because we so rarely see a guy go from one league to the other um, and do that, you know, or not one league to another, but just change teams midseason. I mean, Rick Sutcliffe did it switching leagues long time ago with the Cubs when he was traded over from the Indians. CeCe Sabathia, people thought deserved consideration for that in 2008 when he went from the Indians to the Brewers. Um, but it's such a rarity. But Scherzer has been so good with the Dodgers and he sort of forces his way into the conversation. But I, I, I was leaning Zach Wheeler uh, up until, you know, like a week ago, but I, I think it would be fascinating if it's Scherzer. I don't know if it will be, but I think it would just be really cool to see. Yeah. I'm on the same page as you. I was really uh, on board with Wheeler. I thought he had a phenomenal year and, uh, but Scherzer has just been so dominant then, uh, you know, he just opened my eyes and I said, man, this this dude is really deservingly so right now. The way he, he pitched against on the road he in uh, New York against the Mets, uh, coming back and just dominating San Diego and right. uh, and, and just doing uh, everything he, they, they need him to do. Even when he wasn't getting run support, he still was just out there doing his job. You got to give him a, yep. his credit. Um, now, in the American League, that's the hard, uh, you know, kind of call for me, you know, Robbie Ray, I thought was having a phenomenal year, but then he's been getting touched up lately. Same with Gary Cole. I thought he was, I don't know. He had a, uh, just a weird, uh, ever since he came back from the COVID, he's kind of been a little, just not the same. Uh, what do you think about the American league as far as your favorites are the Cy Young? Well, I thought, this week was kind of going to be a separator. So it would either be Robbie Ray or Garrett Cole, right? And they both did not pitch well uh, in this big series that the Yankees and Blue Jays played. Ray was a little bit better, but left on the short end of the score because he gave up. I mean, the only hits he was giving up were home runs. But uh, whereas the Blue Jays were hitting line drives all over the place against Garrett Cole. 
Um, so they both had a chance for kind of a statement game, didn't get it. Cole has one more chance at that potentially. And if he were to pitch on the last day of the season with the Yankees needing a win in order to even get into the playoffs and deliver a gem, then I think there's an argument to be made that that would be enough to kind of break what is, you know, largely a tie between the two. Um, I, I wouldn't feel bad if it went either way. Right now, I'd probably give a slight edge to Robbie Ray. But like I said, if Garrett Cole were to leave a last impression in voters' minds to go out and do something like eight shutout innings on the last day of the season on short rest to get his team into the playoffs, I think that would probably be enough to tilt it for him. But what would, what would be interesting about Cole's season, remember, is that you know we've forgotten about this because it was so long ago and it wound up after a few days of outcry being something that we all sort of lived with was the uh, spider tack issue. And when Josh Donaldson of the Twins dropped Cole's name at midseason and said, you know, go look at why his spin rate is down so much. And then they asked him point blank in a press conference, have you ever used spider attack? And he gave one of the worst answers of all time, you know, <laughs> a Ted Kennedy, Roger Mudd moment. Uh, you know, why do you want to be president? Oh, I, I, I don't really know the answer. Have you ever used spider attack? You know, 12 second pause. I don't know how to answer that. Well, of course, you know how to answer it. The answer is either yes, you have or no, you haven't. <laughs> right. So, at a moment when that controversy was swirling around the sport, the idea that the best pitch and his numbers have been, you know, great ever since the idea that the award winner would be a guy who was sort of right in the middle of that storm. And he was never, you know, suspended or accused. This is one of those things where baseball was like, Oh, I guess we better crack down on this. Now it's not like he was using a corked bat or something that was violently in, in, um, in violation of, of baseball's existing rules. But nevertheless, it would certainly be an interesting thing to see how voters feel about that, knowing that this was a guy who was right at the center of that storm and was, you know, as, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. I think it's fair to assume that he was using spider attack based on that response that he gave. Yeah, pretty um, much. And if that was one of the big controversies of the year to then give him the Cy Young Award would be pretty interesting. Yeah, it's, it's not really, Ted, anybody out there. I mean, I thought Lance Lamb was – doing really well and then of late he's he got hurt and he kind of just he got shelled by the cubs and just right. it, it, nobody has really taken the bull by the horns you know it's no american league pitcher that's really deservingly so like yeah. in the national league where there's more there's more candidates so let's just give it to pedro martinez again just be like <laughs> pedro your your some of your years were so good we're going to just honorary Cy Young Award winner. This year Award, yeah, it's, it's, How about that? They, yeah. Somebody has to win, right? Yeah, I feel like exactly. yeah, it's, it's not really any much out there. Lance Lando's the only one that's kind of in there, kind of, but then he, you know, he kind of just faltered. So, well, Ted, man, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time, and this is going to be fun, man, to see how this all unfolds and um, see if we can have another great World Series like the Rays and Dodgers had in um, 2020. Um, yeah. Thank you for coming on. And please just let my audience know that, uh, where they can support and follow your work. Great. Uh, yeah, I had fun. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm at uh, Ted Keith with uh, Sports Business at um, Ted Keith 02. And I'll be on there throughout the postseason watching along with and tweeting about them and probably getting into some trouble with. Uh, criticizing managers and things like that. So looking forward to those conversations too. Well, thank you for coming on and we'll catch you again later down the line. Uh, Rational Hour, another show in the books. 
Same bad time, same bad channel. Rational Hour out.